Welcome to MS Minute with DCND, your podcast for understanding multiple sclerosis. Every month, our MS experts tackle a different topic to help you manage your disease and live a better life. DCND is a private neurology practice based out of Dayton, Ohio. It's certified by the National MS Society as a comprehensive MS care center. Please note this podcast and its content is designed for educational and informational purposes only. Welcome to MS Minute with DCND. I am your host, Natalie Pugar. In this episode, we are discussing secondary progressive MS. Our guest today is neurologist Dr. Ken Pugar. Thank you so much for joining us again. You're welcome, Natalie. Good to be here. All right, so let's start with this uh, kind of complicated topic by just breaking down and defining what secondary progressive MS is. Well, I think before we can do that, we have to begin by reminding everybody what relapsing remitting multiple sclerosis is. The majority of patients with MS begin with relapsing remitting disease. And that is they will be totally healthy and then develop a symptom. Depending on where the nervous system the lesion is, that'll determine what symptom that is. They may suffer with that symptom for a week or weeks, and then many times it'll go away. But only in months, or year to have another symptom come back again, which again may or may not totally go away. But over time, each of those flare-ups, which we call exacerbations, leaves a mark and in the brain and some disability can begin to persist. Now the majority of the patients who begin with this relapsing remitting multiple sclerosis over a period of time, that could be 10, 15, 25 years, they quit having the exacerbations. They quit having even many times as many new lesions on the MRI. Because we think the pathology of MS changes. At the beginning when there are those flare-ups, we think the process is one of inflammation. Certain nerve cells in the brain are inflamed and There's an area of swelling around that inflammation, and then that dies down. But as time goes on, we quit getting those areas of inflammation, or at least certainly as many of them, and we start to see what we call a neurodegenerative phase of the disease. That's where we begin to lose neurons. Now, these patients may not have an acute flare-up of symptoms, like a sudden weakness of an arm or a leg or loss of vision. Even though they're not, they're just slowly and steadily getting worse. And with this neurodegenerative phase, we have labeled progressive disease. Okay, so how would somebody know that they have this progressive disease? Well, there's some positives and negatives. One thing is they will report that they're getting worse. Uh, They may state they're more fatigued or they don't have as much energy, or they're not as cognitively sharp as they used to be. Yet, their MRI of the brain may not show any new lesion, and they may not have anything that the doctor can put their thumb on that's different about them from the previous exam. But yet, they're slowly and steadily getting worse. Okay, so um, someone can advance to the secondary progressive MS from relapsing remitting MS? Most do. Okay. 
So how com- common is that well, in your practice? It's actually quite common. The vast majority of patients with relapsing remitting MS will progress into the secondary progressive MS, as I stated, certainly by 20 years okay. into the disease. Now, what makes it really tricky is even when you're in the progressive phase, like I said, the neurodegenerative phase, you can still occasionally get new lesions on the MRI and clinical flare-up. So the two can exist concomitantly, which makes it very tricky when we try to consider our options for treatment. Uh, That's a great, great frustration uh, among not only patients, but among neurologists. We call patients who are in the progressive stage but still are getting new lesions, we call those active secondary progressive patients. Where those who aren't, then we call those inactive or not active Mm -hmm. patients. So what's the common treatment course? I mean, there's so many different treatments out there for MS. So are there different ones for the relapsing remitting versus secondary progressive? So right now, every single MS drug that's available in the market is approved for patients with active secondary progressive disease. Those patients who are still getting new lesions and new flare-ups. The problem is, if they don't, we don't know if they're not because the medicine is effective, like it's supposed to be, preventing flare-ups, or whether they're in truly a non-active secondary progressive phase of the disease. That's always a tricky call that the doctor has to make when they decide whether you're still benefiting or not from the medication. And that's because every MS medicine except one is not approved for progressive disease that's not active. There's only one medication, and that's ocalizumab, that is approved for a primary progressive or progressive disease without activity. Hmm. So what are the considerations that you kind of make as a, as a neurologist with your patients? Well, their age, the time, how long they've had the disease, and then their MRI patterns that I follow over years, where they have their lesions in the first place. For instance, a male who has lesions in their spinal cord, I'm much more concerned that they'll have a progressive disease Um, And therefore, we don't have as many options as far as trying to keep that uh, at bay. Uh, Whereas someone who has eight, ten MRIs in a row that show absolutely no change, no worsening, no new lesions, um, uh, I'm thinking they are likely in the secondary progressive disease, a disease that's quiet. So what happens to those who have the inactive? Well, at some point in time, depending on, in my experience, and every neurologist is different, depending on how long they've had disease and their age, I may make the decision, or at least a consideration, of getting them off their disease-modifying MS drug. Because I said, all those drugs were designed and studied to prevent new lesions. Well, if you're not getting new lesions, is it doing you any good? And then I worry about the mechanism of these drugs and what effect it may have on an aging immune system and my patients getting in their 50s, 60s, 70s and have to make a decision, is the benefit worth the risk? 
Gotcha. Okay. So um, is the secondary progressive MS the most progressive form of MS? No, that's that's a tough concept, I think, to wrap your head around because there's also a smaller percentage, maybe 15% of MS, that's primary progressive, which means it never has flare-ups. If someone gets symptoms at a certain age in their life without exacerbations, but they just slowly and continuously get worse and worse and worse. That's often the worst form of MS, but not always. MS is variable. It's individualized. It depends on, I tease my patients, it's like real estate. You know, the lesions, it depends on location, location, location. Mm. Where are they in your brain? A small lesion in a critical area can cause way more difficulty than multiple lesions in less critical areas of the brain. So is it possible for a patient to have relapsing, remitting MS and never get to secondary progressive? Unlikely, but possible. Some patients just have a benign course of MS in general. We identify a lesion, maybe two, you know, down the road at some other time, and then just seem to have nothing. Now, unfortunately, that's not real common. Some people refer to that as benign MS. Others don't believe that term even exists. But certainly, certainly, I've had dozens of patients with extremely benign courses of multiple sclerosis who are now in their 60s and 70s. Hmm. So do we think that taking disease-modifying therapies prevents you from getting it as quick, the secondary progressive MS? Yeah, it's a great question. And the answer is, in my opinion, yes. I think if we can retard the severity of the inflammatory phase that we at least delay, if not alter the course of multiple sclerosis down the road lifelong. Now the really exciting thing is the newest wave of MS drugs, now we have you know, well over two dozen, but the newest wave that might become available the first ones next year, they target that neurodegenerative component of the disease. So there are smaller molecules that can penetrate into the brain and we believe have an effect in pre preventing or delaying that smoldering MS that prevents the progression of the cognitive changes and the fatigue and the slowly progressive disability. That would be huge. Yeah, they are huge. We're excited about them. We're doing uh, one of the drugs. We're doing a clinical trial right here at DCND. Yes, we are. Awesome. So um, how fast do patients progress with this? I know a lot of patients that I've talked to initially when they get the diagnosis of MS, they always think, you know, am I ever going to be in a wheelchair? Well, and that was a very real concern. Just the beginning of my residency, which is 35, 36 years ago now, the majority were looking at a wheelchair. Uh, we didn't have any treatments. But that's why the diagnosis and management of multiple sclerosis has been the most rewarding thing for me as a neurologist in my career, because we completely changed that paradigm. Now the majority of patients who have multiple sclerosis, who are being treated with the appropriate medications, rest of society doesn't even know they have the disease, and many, many, many of them. Unfortunately, it's a bell curve. Some are affected much more severely, despite everything we try. Many, as I said, are most fall in the middle, and there's some lucky few who have very, very little progression. But without question, we've made a huge difference in the amount of people we keep uh, mobile 
uh, and functional. Mm-hmm. So I'm a big, big believer in not only treatment, but early treatment. Mm-hmm. So once somebody progresses to the secondary progressive MS, um, what are some of the things that you see um, them face more of? All right, so they face less flare-ups. Okay. So much, they're less inclined to come in and say, yeah, I suddenly lost vision in my eye, or boy, I woke up and can't move my leg. What I see, though, is just a slow and steady progression of symptoms. I used to be able to go to work as say as a teacher and come home and cook dinner now I've come home I'm exhausted I just have to lay down and take a rest or I have more difficulty multitasking or I have more difficulty staying focused uh, compared to what I used to harder for them to put their finger on it specifically I used to be able to walk across the whole mile now I need to take a rest you know it's those types of things without anything acute or major jumping in your face it's that it's a decline that they notice more than a day-by-day basis, but on a month-by-month or year-by-year basis. So it's not some big thing where they've lost the ability to walk? No, not suddenly. Now, that may slowly and steadily reach that point. Okay. But it's not going to be that exacerbation type of timing. It's going to be more of an insidious progression. So you still keep them on the disease-modifying therapies? Yes, I do. But again, at some point in time, I may elect mm-hmm. not to do that. If they're even getting worse and every MRI in a row shows no new lesion, no new lesion, no new lesion, and they're getting older and I'm worried about what drug they're on, what it's doing to their risks of maybe getting infections and other things, I may discuss with them the option of taking them off the medication. Now, when these new brand of drugs come out, okay, uh, BTK inhibitors they're called, that might be the time to consider that agent. We also have some treatments right now that allow the patient to be theoretically or potentially done with further treatment after 13 months. So I mean even if you take it at any age you're done after 13 months. So that's exciting too. We're using more and more of those agents. And those agents still don't um guarantee that you would never go to the secondary no, progressive absolutely though absolutely not the, none of them guarantee them. yeah they work awfully darn good uh these medications uh to a point we're using terminology we wouldn't have dreamed of using just seven eight years ago uh endpoints we would call NEDA n-e-d-a and that stands for no evidence of disease activity which means we put someone with exacerbating or remitting MS on these disease modifiers and we measure over a period of one year, two years, up to 10 years, how many of them had no new lesions, had no progression of disability, had no uh, new exacerbations. And that's, like I said, that would have been unheard of uh, just a decade ago. Wow. And now we look at that routinely, that's how well many of these drugs work. Yeah, we've really come a long way. It must be an exciting time in the MS world. Um, So if a patient was diagnosed with the secondary progressive MS, would they have had to been diagnosed with relapsing remitting at first? I believe, yes, they may not have been. Okay. May have been missed. Okay. Again, we're much more sophisticated today than, than we used to be. But I would say the patients who have secondary progressive MS had relapsing remitting MS. Okay. 
So was it more of a uh, symptom management after someone gets um, diagnosed with secondary progressive? Yes, I would say that's, that's a good point. It's always symptom management. Right. We can never forget that. We all get so excited. I have to teach my residents. We have to also remember we're dealing with a patient there. And it, it's fabulous that we can prevent them from getting new lesions. But if the lesions they've already had left them with deficits, we have to manage those. Mm -hmm. Whether it's exacerbating remitting or secondary progressive, we we still have to help the patient the best we can, managing spasticity, managing bladder issues, bowel issues, managing fatigue. Uh, we have to help them. Well, it sounds like there's a lot more hope in the MS world nowadays. Without question. Um, so what would you leave, I guess, um, our listeners to, who's somebody who's maybe been recently diagnosed with secondary progressive? You know, what is the hope? Well, I think that, to me, when I make a diagnosis on a new patient, I educate them. I said the majority begin in exacerbating remitting, and I'll let them know that as time goes on, the typical evolution is toward secondary progressive. So first of all, that's not unexpected or abnormal. It doesn't mean you're doing worse. It's just what it what it's evolved to. Some people, as I said, in secondary progressive disease are not active. They're quiet and they're happy because there's things are status quo. I can't predict that. But I'll let them know that, hey, we have now, let's get you diagnosed early, get on disease modifiers early, consistently, reliably stay on them. And then as we're learning so much more about multiple sclerosis on a seemingly monthly basis, as we get more data, we might switch you to another medication that works a little differently that may help even prevent any progression in that secondary progressive stage. So it's an exciting time, but don't ignore it. Don't neglect seeing your doctor because there's always updates. I don't think a visit goes by that I don't tell my patients something new that's happening in the MS world. And you, you raised a good point that I wanted to, to kind of circle back to was the, the cause for blame. So somebody who has the re relapsing, remitting MS and they move to secondary progressive, was there anything they did to cause Absolutely it? Absolutely not. Nope. That's the natural course of the disease. Um, as we said, maybe there is some data that suggests if we treat your primary, your um, exacerbating remitting aggressively and early, we may delay that progression, or, but time will tell on that. But nonetheless, we know overall, whether you go into the secondary progressive or not, the earlier we treat you, the earlier we diagnose you, the better you do in the long term. That No one can refute that. Perfect. So keep those appointments with your neurologist yes. to make sure you stay up to date with all of the, the new treatments that are coming out. Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. Now, some people always think that newer is better, and I have to have a discussion with them on that. You can't do better than great. If you're on one of the older medications that's tried and true and been around forever, and you're stable, I see no reason to switch. Now, stable doesn't mean just clinically stable. The MRI is a huge tool for me on that. And even if you're doing, I say, hunky-dory, and I see a new lesion on your MRI, I know that disease is not quiet. And I have very low tolerance for that, and I will be discussing with my patient switching to something else. I want the disease quiet. Mm -hmm. Well, hopefully hope is on the horizon with some new drugs heading our way. Yep. 
All right. Excited. Thank you, Dr. Pugar. You're welcome.